Jesse, a.k.a. The Bizzle. The Bizzle? Thank you, The Bizzle. Yeah. The Bizzle. Hi, it's Alistair from Nervestream Network. You're listening to The Bizzle Cast, talking about Star Wars The Last Jedi. You can catch myself and the rest of my team on www.nervestreamnetwork.com and make sure to keep tuned for The Bizzle Cast. It is a killer of an episode. All right. Thanks for that, Alistair. It's so great to have you on to return the favor. I had a blast on your podcast today. People, we are diving directly into spoiler review of Star Wars. And when I say review, I mean we loved almost everything about the movie, but we are talking full spoilers about the amazing character, plot, writing, special effects, direction, everything else that went on in this movie. We did some chit-chat in the beginning. We decided to cut it out and jump right in. So... We are going to start this conversation directly about a Princess Leia spoiler that's early in the movie, but is very important. So I urge you to watch the movie and come back. If you've seen it, you're definitely going to want to jump in with us here because we take a ride um, along this brilliant, brilliant movie that we already love so much. So thanks again, Alistair. Thanks again, listeners. And three, two, one, Princess Leia talk. So when they did that thing where... She gets sucked out and... She being... We have, to, we have to use names. It's easy to start saying... There's so many characters. Princess Leia. There is true. Princess Leia. The bridge Leia gets is- blown up, not by Kylo Ren, but by one of his TIE fighter pilots. Oh. And she gets sucked into space. And I start screaming, no, no, you better yeah. not. This is bullshit. You so, better not have wreck on this because I know this wasn't in the... Oh, my God. Yeah. I was like nearly fetal. I was actually crying. Yeah. And yeah. it's the opposite sobbing. of the Melissa Benoist singing thing. It's the exact <laughs> yeah. opposite of Melissa Benoist singing. And by the way, <laughs> listening back on that podcast, I meant to give you like five hell yeahs during that. I mean, th- that woman can just <laughs> smile. There's something truly good about yeah. her. But yeah, this is the fetal, like, I never want to live again or think about reality. Yeah. And I'm like, I can't get through the rest of this movie if no. she is not in it. She hasn't had enough out. screen time for me to say goodbye. I'm not freaking ready like no and then when she does the whole superman from <laughs> bvs thing and uh, i was just like what is happening right okay. now all right so what? i had a thought during that scene because it looks visually and thematic uh sort of philosophically has some similarities to a couple uh neo things that happen in the matrix movies especially the first one Um, Ah, her becoming awake after she was dead and like all of a sudden space and time just became like the matrix to her and she just manipulated it to get back to the ship in what was i the movie was so good that i forgot that that was going to be the best part when i saw it i remember seeing it and being like this is going to be the best part but then there were so many other great parts that i forgot that it was the best part but it was some Neo in the Matrix stuff, right? I mean, after never yeah. using her force powers on screen, all of a sudden she's like, and you know what? What's even more heartbreaking is she didn't stay alive for herself. She stayed alive for everyone who is depending on her. And that's why Princess yeah. Leia is the best. And people who say Luke and, uh, and uh, Han are the main characters and she's objectified in the original series and she doesn't have agency and blah, 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 are clearly not watching those movies. Princess Leia yeah. is a boss in the original movies from beginning to end. She's and the only one that's still alive. Like, come on. Well, not, not only that, I mean, 
she should be dead. She's a princess yeah. who could easily be giving orders behind friendly lines and is constantly putting herself out on the front line. She should be dead, like Jin Erso and the Rogue One crew. To me, that's what makes Rogue One so powerful, the way it leads into the original movie and that Princess Leia at 19 years old is there at Scarif watching that operation and seeing that every single person on that planet and a lot of people in space gave their lives freely and man they did not shy away from the um, su- you know uh, suicide attack kamikaze stuff in this movie um, which is a major lesson of Star Wars which is you know the Empire would never pull something like a kamikaze and they'll never understand why people like the rebels would you know and that's that's the whole point and I love about Star Wars that Leia represents and has represented from beginning to the end I don't care what they do with her but she represents just the practical we're going to get shit done for good people and we're you know and we're just we're just going to do it and I don't know. I, I wish she had more dialogue. I'm sorry, I've been blathering about this. I no, wish she had more fine. dialogue about in this movie. But the fact that she got to have choice bits actually makes it more powerful, I think, in the long yeah. run. I, I thought that initially. But looking back, because I thought about this movie a lot yesterday. I saw it like first thing in the morning. Fuck you. Um, I wasn't going to, and one of my friends sent me a message who's not a Star Wars fan, went said, you need to go and see this best sci-fi film I've ever seen in my life. And I was like, whoa, that's a really big call. And he's like, no, seriously, go see it. You are going to just love it. I'm like, yeah, I doubt it. And for me, like one of the strongest things about this movie was Leia and I really feel bad that I can't remember her name. Uh, Laura Dern's character. Uh, Admiral Holdo, I believe, is her name. And they're buddies from when they were kids, but that's another story. Their relationship. Whoa. Like, it it wasn't forced. Like, it, there was no questioning it because we'd never, well, I don't remember seeing her before. There was no real backstory or history or anything. Yeah. But it was there. And that's a credit to both of those amazing actresses, the chemistry was there. It worked. And I loved their relation. I just was smiling the whole time that they were interacting on screen until the last bit. Especially um, because I love Oscar Isaac and especially because I love Poe Dameron. Oh my God. And especially because I knew this was the hard lesson he was going to have to learn, but God, did they sell it well without rubbing it in your face. It was just that Os- smile. Yeah. Go ahead. Oscar Isaac. Yeah, I know is the perfect male specimen. Like Yes, he is. That jawline wow. is the those soft eyes and the fluffy hair and the jawline. And in real life, he's so sweet and artistic. He, you know, he does big budget movies. He does artistic. Dude, his performance yeah. in Ex Machina, in my opinion, oh, is basically one. Daniel Day-Lewis level performance. Yeah. Like, you don't get that kind of performance. Um, yeah. And Donald Gleason in that movie and in this movie, I have to say, certainly the humor around Hux in this movie with Ryan Johnson was so inspired, but I thought Hux played it perfectly. It could have gone off the rails with Hux looking like a total clown at any point. I know we're jumping around <laughs> and we'll come back to some of these topics, no, uh, but 
that early bit where he's trying to act like a tough evil general to Poe and Poe's uh, sorry I'm sorry sir are you is, are you there you know what I mean you don't you didn't see yeah. that coming and dude this is <laughs> <sighs> all right I'm 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 not gonna bring up Joss Whedon I'm gonna I'm, I won't talk about okay. Joss Whedon in this okay. podcast okay JJ okay. Abrams JJ <laughs> Abrams has this sense of humor in the Star Trek movies and the Star Wars movies that I like mm. and that reminds me of another writer director that I'm very fond of who's not the person I'm talking about which is JJ Abrams <laughs> and I love that Ryan Johnson was not like I'm going to introduce a whole new science uh you know um a science of of humor essentially to the movie yeah I'm going to take JJ's stuff and make it work for me the same way I'm taking his character stuff and making it yeah. work for me. And so there was a harmony in the consistency in those two lines, if that makes sense, as well as one another with the characters and the humor. I mean, even Luke, sorry, people, I'm sorry. If you made it this far and you're still getting spoilers, I just feel bad for you. And I hope you see the movie soon. When Luke throws <laughs> the lightsaber over his shoulder, I uh, died. I fell out of my seat. I was so happy they did that. That was the exactly the tension um i don't know did you did you think that ryan johnson found a oh god just like justice i'm going to be saying balance over and over again and it's going to be brutal (laughs) do you think ryan johnson found a good balance of his sort of darker artistic vision but also the quirkiness of the new uh star wars universe overall yeah definitely and i think when when we first saw it I was like, oh, God, they're going Marvel on us. No. And when that started with the Poe Jammerin and the, hello, I'm holding, like, I was like, it just reminded me of something Tony Stark would do. Yeah. And it kind of, it took me out of it for a little bit. Yes. Um, but I think as especially... That was trolling everybody, but that scene, that scene was trolling Star Wars fans and non-Star Wars fans, which part of why I loved it. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, and... For me, like one of the favorite parts was um, the caretakers on the island. Oh, yeah. And when Ray's doing this full on like labor oh, zen thing and cuts through the rock Rocky and then the four. rock just falls yeah. and destroys their cut. Like, she I, didn't apologize. I'm still mad at Ray. She didn't even say sorry. That was <laughs> sloppy writing. Ray would have said sorry there, I but I think she was so was focused. Laughing yeah. So hard. That was just. Yeah. Like, I think it was those kind of moments that really took it back to some of the humor from the first three. Yeah. I just, your tastes are so bizarre because you love J- uh, uh, Zack Snyder and you don't like the candy, the popcorn vision of Marvel, but you liked the p- episode one of the prequels. It's look, hard for me to I, triangulate here. Look, I like Marvel stuff. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I like it. Dude, I, I'm critical as you. I, think, I started this I podcast. They're, they're no, just, dude, really quickly. I got to say, and this is why, this is, you know, again, I'm not going to mention this person by name, but I started this podcast right before Age of Ultron came out. And for all the criticisms, I think Age of Ultron is better than almost any Marvel that's movie that's come out since then, which, and Joss Whedon was specifically unhappy with things he had to do in that movie and then led to his departure uh, not long after that, so... 
Was was Guardians pre Ultron or post? No, pre nineteen twenty fourteen is the year that Oof. I wouldn't be talking to you not for twenty fourteen. It was Captain America: The Winter Soldier, X Men: oh. Days of Future Past, Perfection. and um, fucking Guardians of the Galaxy. Those three movies just for me killed it in the genre. Um, and yeah. y- you know, and then Ultron I thought was underrated. I understand people's problems, but. I still think from a pacing and hilarity standpoint, it's better. You know, I, I thought Guardians took itself too seriously. Uh, number two, I thought Thor was too goofy and didn't feel like a comic book movie whatsoever. Um, and I think to bring it back to the topic, man, Star Wars is just a giant superhero team-up movie. And the superheroes in Star Wars are better written for and better acted and just fit better in this universe, I think, in the last few years than the DC or Marvel universes. I don't think anyone would deny it. I mean, the Marvel actors are tweeting about going to see Star Wars on opening weekend. Like, in this country, it's hard for me, that's the other thing. In this country, it's like religion, you know? Like, they don't even have to do that many commercials in this country because people are going to go see I don't know what's like there. Well, really, like, and I think this film really struck at home for me that that the essentially the Jedi was a religion, and I, not being a very well informed and versed Star Wars diehard, you know plenty. Don't worry about it. You don't know. You don't worry about it. So. Yeah. I was like, wow, it's a religion. And I never saw it like that. Well, do you remember in the original trilogy, Han Solo called it Hocus Pocus and accused yeah. Ben Kenobi of just being a crazy old man who didn't know what he was talking about. <laughs> well, look, this is the first movie that I went, hey, it is a religion. Wow. And I think that really stuck with me in this movie and made everything just more impactful. Um, I... I was not expecting for it to be this good from like that first opening sequence. I was in, I was hooked. So let's start there. Okay. So here's the structure for the podcast. And we're not going to go too long tonight guys, but the structure I want to say is you looking at this as a media person, as a film appreciator, a lover of film, forget the Star Wars model because they've basically thrown yeah. it out the window. I mean, they've taken the best parts from the original trilogy and I'm sorry, people, I hate to say it, but like 10% of the prequels was okay and they've been taking from it since then, whether they say it or not. And by the way, my friend, I hope I, this makes it into the intro when we were recording, but... You are not the only person that feels that way about Jar Jar, and I think there are at least a dozen things r- way more wrong about the original trilogy over Jar Jar Binks before you start blaming him, who had a very tragic end, if you look up uh, in the in the literature, uh, to Jar Jar Binks. Um, but as a film person going into this, you not loving Rogue One must have fed into a little bit of skepticism plus Disney and Marvel, right? I mean, I'm just being honest here. 200%. You would not be wrong. Yeah. yeah, you would not be wrong. Yeah. yeah. I sit next to uh, the guy that sits behind me at work, biggest Star Wars fan I've ever met. And I've just been hearing about this movie for months. And I just turned around and I'm like, it's going to suck. I bet you it's going to get like 20% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> yes. Everyone's going to hate it. You're going to be up in arms. Uh, yeah, right. And I could have told you, know, you that was, was a bad fun. bet. It was, yeah. it was fun to troll him. Sure. And um, I sent him a message yesterday after I'd seen it. And I just said, okay, I'll admit I was completely wrong. That movie was effing amazing. I'm back on board with Star Wars. 
Okay, so they jump in in a very Battlestar Galactica-esque scenario, which Ryan Johnson will not deny that that's the case. The idea of the small human fleet, the remainder of the human race, basically escaping a much larger evil fleet that keeps finding ways to spot them and almost annihilate them constantly uh, is how they open the movie, which was not with my expectations that they would start with Ray, but they basically that was the prelude, and then they started with Ray on the island with Luke. Um, let me ask this question should Luke Skywalker have ever stopped being the coolest guy in the galaxy assuming he's not losing his mind at the time I mean he defined cool in this country in that 70s and 80s and I yeah I don't know the whole movie was trying to tear down that image which I loved go ahead yeah um, definitely I like I don't have an like uh, any kind of feelings towards that character to be honest um like i'm not attached to him i was like oh okay cool um and i felt like i'm glad so that wait, they stretched so wait, i gotta ask you King though coming. so wait when you saw the force awakens had you seen the originals yeah. yet oh yeah definitely okay because otherwise yeah. that scene of him not saying a word the whole movie and then holding his hand out for two seconds at the end of the movie would have been <laughs> even more confusing and bizarre sorry no, 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 it was fine. I, I loved The Force Awakens. Yeah. I loved it. Um, anyway, we won't go down that road. Um, what? I, so I have I zero lo- problems with that movie. I, I will watch The Force Awakens any time. I was very scared that they were going to, like, that Luke would turn around after, you know, two or three minutes and go, okay, I'll go with you and save the day. And in my mind, oh, just knowing movies and disney that's where it would go and i was so glad to be proven wrong that (laughs) it wasn't just okay i'll go and help like there was never an agreement to come and help and the whole revealing of what happened is it kylo ren i keep getting his name wrong kylo yeah kylo ren yeah kylo the ren part's not that Um, important but yeah kylo meanwhile adam driver whoa He's like a genius. Not, I love him. I him love in, liked him. Liked him in Girls. I haven't really seen him in much else. Well, Girls but, is in a fair comparison to Kylo Ren, you know? Yeah. But I really liked the relationship between him and Ray, especially when she was on the island and he was on that ship. I really liked the dialogue and the banter between them. Okay. It's topic number one that no one's talking about. Okay. If you look at this movie and how it progressed and how they interacted in the first movie with him trying to brain rape her, he again is brain raping her in this movie. He doesn't know he's doing it in a negative way, but he is mind raping her. Um, yeah. which I know is not a concept that exists in all star, you know, uh, sci-fi properties. Um, but if you see that scene between the two of them where she's chained down in the it force awakens, that is clearly yeah. what is happening. It's, yeah. uh, if you watch star Trek growing up, there was some great episodes with, uh, counselor Troy, Deanna Troy on the next generation who would get psychically involved with some dark species that came on and her brain would just get totally wrecked, um, <laughs> by their, you know, dark, Tele- telepathy to be honest man i truly felt that ray was going to have to come out of this movie 
looking good as you know, sort of the light side, and that Kylo is going to have to come out at best looking neutral-ish, but probably yeah. not. And but the way they got there was so much more interesting and less painful than I was expecting. And I love that they were just talking to each other over space and that Luke and Leia were doing the same thing, by the way, but just not yeah. in that literal sense that we saw, right? Yeah. I'm going to talk about them because I loved them and I no longer want a dog. I want a porg. Um, <laughs> and they were I funny. Know. They weren't just cute. They were very funny. Yeah. And this is, and I don't mean, I hope this doesn't go where I think it's going to go. For me, part of what I love about Star Wars is that any place you go to is not only popu- like populated with humans, but it's populated with distinct animals. Oh, dude, the animals in this movie were ridiculous, oh, like totally yeah. insane. And they just, for me, like a lot of people say, oh, but it's just all about the cute animals. Well, those animals make the places feel real to me. So on that island that Luke was on, that island had the porgs everywhere, who I loved. I don't know the name of those things that he milked, but that was a really odd thing to watch. Um (laughs) I don't know what they are. Have they been in a Star Wars movie before? No, they were just an indigenous no? species to the to the island. Okay. Yeah, and we've never seen anything like, milked with like open yeah. teats before. No, I'm serious. It's like National Geographic <laughs> shit. People were like, yeah. "I'm like, it's not gross. They're just getting milk. No big deal." <laughs> and then to be teleported over to the other the casino island, yeah. um, and have whatever they were, um. While I didn't enjoy that storyline and I felt like it should have been cut, um, the selling point was those animals, really, for me, for that section of the movie that should have definitely been cut. The casino, Canto Bite, the casino planet, was the one I was least interested going into this thing. And... They actually could have made it really cool, but here is the problem with Star Wars. I don't want to get super meta, but they don't want to go the Star Trek route of getting too sciencey. So they talk about slicing, which is just their word for hacking, basically, but mm. they don't want to get too much into it. I think Ryan Johnson wants to, and I think they're heading that way. So yeah, so we're sort of diving into the structure of the film, and like I was trying to get to before before I keep sidetracking us, which I apologize, it's Star Wars, it's just going to happen with me, um, is the, Ryan Johnson as a filmmaker. So as a film, what does this film do well that doesn't matter that it's called Star Wars, that you think filmically is just done well? Wow, that's such a good question. It doesn't have to be like the biggest thing. I just mean like some things that you noticed. Um, Definitely the pacing. Yes. And I I don't know if it's because I had issues with pacing in Rogue One, but I even found the pacing was better than The Force Awakens. Yep. Um, It like, I know you said, oh, we finally got to the island, but that, opening scene gripped me so much i completely forgot that that's what we were waiting for oh yeah 
Well, the, th- and, the thing was with me, I, I hinted at this. I don't want to go too far. Bizzlecast listeners, you can listen to it. I've been working on my my full uh, series Battlestar commentaries for a while, but but it tapped right into the Battlestar Galactica vibe aesthetically with the spaceship race at the beginning, plus the Alliance and all the characters I loved. And so I'm with you. I forgot that I was expecting the island first. I was like, nope, this is where, this is where I want to be. This is, yeah. Yeah, so I think for me that's what stood out was the pacing, and I don't use this word lightly, perfect. Like there's the only one bit where they go to Casino Planet where I was like, you're losing me. But everything else, just the scene transitioning, um, especially on the island, was very episode four, episode five. Yeah. I hadn't thought of it that way. Yeah, go ahead. I loved it. Like just that little kind of subtle things that filmmakers give you just for me enhance the experience and it worked beautifully. Can I give you my only criticism of the movie, which isn't a criticism because the thing I'm going to compare it to are things I love. Okay. I thought that this movie, if the first movie was a replica and a rebuilded, a rebuilt version of episode four, the original Star Wars, right? Got the Death Star, we got the thing, you know, like Han Solo, like everything's lined up. Yeah. I thought this movie would be a combination of Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. And with Rey going up the elevator at the end with Kylo, just like Luke and Vader and Luke's working Vader to try and move him to the light side. And Rey is totally working Kylo to get him to the light side. And the overcomp, I, I, the fact that Snoke ended up just being the emperor again, that is my biggest complaint. I, I, I think that Ryan inherited Snoke from JJ and didn't want it anything to do with it um and which just, is interesting yeah. because now it's going back to jj so he's gonna have to deal with it <laughs> now uh but snoke was how never you, that interesting yeah sorry how do you feel about it going back to jj now i love it are you kidding me the guy who did jurassic okay, cool. world was gonna direct episode nine i think i think the ah, community would yeah. have revolted um hmm. Because like with Rogue One, we prefer movies that just feel like Star Wars movies over flashy movies that everybody likes and have definitive (laughs) problems with them, but they feel like Star Wars movies. Rogue One feels right from the original trilogy. They match the costumes, they match the sets, they match the color palettes. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but in the final space battle in Rogue One, a bunch of the shots of the pilots are actually from the episode four archives that george lucas let them have and they integrated pilots yeah like red leader that was filmed in like 1976 and they made it work in in rogue one um to explain how they could be involved in that battle and stuff like that and the fact that ron howard came in to take over the han solo movie i think people prefer the steady hand at this point i know ryan johnson was the youngest and most experimental of the people that they had had but he's still a veteran who knows how to make a hollywood movie and I think he and I proved... Think, yeah, go ahead. I think the studio will be happy with that decision right about now. Yeah, the whole, the whole we're giving you a whole new trilogy and <laughs> like, making you one of the tastemakers. Uh, yeah. Highest rated on Tomato Meter movie of Star Wars ever. Yeah. Yeah, and they, like, they've already given him a new trilogy. I mean, they gave him a new trilogy months ago before this movie ever came out. The level of confidence in Disney yeah. in this film is completely warranted... 
and I wonder where their level of control is elsewhere in the company. Because with Star Wars, <laughs> the hand seems seems very steady, and I, I don't want to completely get off what we were talking about about from the filmmaking perspective. I mean, it was one of those movies where I was never thinking about how the shots were framed, and that's what made yeah. it so brilliant. You know, it yeah. wasn't ever distracting. Um, he had tons of close-ups, especially of Daisy Ridley, who just is... <sighs> Sorry, go ahead. When she was... I, I found the cinematography when she was crying, when she was, like, begging Kylo, and, like, the way that the camera was placed on her face, the way that the tears were coming down, it like, for me, those scenes, like just in my head I was like this is art like that is stylistic like porn that's incredible like to get that performance out of her and then to mix that with the camera work and the lighting like everything was just it was one of the moments in the movie where I stopped and went this is perfect Mm. (sighs) Dude, you're bringing tears to me just talking about this shit. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, and can I just say, to, yeah, to stop you crying, yeah. her, when Kylo and Ray fight together. Oh, my God. Wow. Yeah. 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 That's like, like, that's like a wow. Neo and Morpheus. Yeah. They're just oh, going at it. Yeah. It blew my mind and when you say these are superheroes those are the scenes in which you go yes yes they are like they're just that was amazing and this is the perfect example right of comparison to marvel who is clearly the most interesting marvel villain over all three phases that it's been in a bunch of the movies would you say in one movie or a bunch? No, no, no. In a bunch. That's like the mo- the best MCU villain. Ooh, or well, or I, antagonist, I should say. Not necessarily villain. Obviously Loki. Like there's no one right. else. Okay. So <laughs> it looks like in the trailer that he, as we many of us suspected, stole the Tesseract from the exploding uh, Asgard and, and Thor Ragnarok. And yeah. now he's going to have Thanos come. And who knows where his allegiances are. But Kylo Ren, other than a little bit of the the lightness, has all of the cool things about Loki and so much more for me, you know? Yeah, and, he definitely has I, a better body. And, and <laughs> when I say that, oh, dude, hey, Tom Hiddleston in some of the other series where he's playing like secret agents and stuff, he's pretty cut. <laughs> but um, he, he has to lose weight for Loki, actually. He, he initially tried out for Thor. He finished second to Chris Hemsworth for Thor. Oh wow! Yeah, um, but uh, but Kylo Ren, I wouldn't be surprised in the final movie if he does consider turning or briefly turn again in that movie and make it believable because of the writing and the acting and so forth. I mean, okay, let's cut to the chase here. We all knew there was going to be a meeting between Ray and Kylo. They did a great yeah. job of hiding that there would be direct dialogue during the movie, but I had no problem with it because of the aforementioned force powers that we know the skywalkers and everybody have side note i love that they confirmed that her parents were just nobodies which is what they should be yeah um, i was waiting for a big reveal when they said that i'm like oh who is it who is it and i'm like oh 
Cool. How do you feel about I'm that? I'm glad. I want to stop my, my blathering. I'm interested to hear about like what your expectations were. You know, why uh, do you think people are I, so concerned with her parents? I thought Luke was going to be her father. Clearly not a big Star why. Wars fan. <laughs> but I just went, oh, maybe it's Luke. And then part of me went, well, maybe it's Han and Leia. And it's just, we don't I know thought that was going to happen from their past. And it would like open up a whole new thing about how she felt about being his brother and how she felt about seeing him kill her dad before she even knew he was a dad. Like that would be a very Hollywood tropey storyline to go down. And I'm glad they didn't. So when, when he said they were nobodies, they gave you up for like for cash. Like it was, I was like, Oh, thank God. (laughs) Oh, thank God. And it's just more examples of all this movie ticking all these boxes for me. Because I think when, and I know I'm not meant to do this, but I'm sitting there going, Star Wars is going to go down the same road that Marvel has, where but everything's just going to be the same. But I keep telling you that we just know each other recently. But I, I've been, since we've known each other, I've been trying to tell you that it's not the same. It's not yeah, the same. And they have different people involved in these processes. I don't, yeah. you know, Kevin Feige from Marvel bragged about how many Rotten Tomatoes posters he has in his office. You know, like that doesn't, but if you'd hear Kathleen Kennedy talk about why George Lucas unilaterally decided to give her the company as the precondition for going to Disney. And yeah. I've been worried about this Fox thing, which is a podcast I'd love to do with you in the next few weeks. Oh when the, God. Um, when the you more stuff know my comes thoughts out. on that. Well, yeah. I think, no, I don't think anybody <laughs> is happy about this, but I really? do know. Oh, about Fox oh, Disney? See, I've experienced the opposite. Everyone's what? happy and I'm and I'm the person going, no. Oh, no. like X-Men people? No, I'm talking about people who care about like the economy and stuff like that. Like, yeah. It's not good for the economy, but it's also not Disney's fault that everyone else sucks and they put out all the best <laughs> movies. Um, and <laughs> I'm sorry. Wow. It's true. Well, you just watch the trailers of the non-Disney movies and then the Disney movies, you're like, man, Avengers could be Disney's worst movie next year. <laughs> It's like so good. But the point is, Kathleen Kennedy, Bob Iger has basically said, the the CEO of Disney has said that Lucasfilm has their own charter and Kathleen runs the company essentially. You know, anything that's like a multi-billion dollar deal, she has to run by them. But for the most part, she is the one and she gave up total creative freedom to Ryan Johnson and his people. She said, we want you to make the crazy dark movie that we hired you to make three and a half years later. So you say the movie's perfect. So let me ask you this. When you say movie's perfect or close to perfect, is it more mm. to do with the positive qualities of certain sorts or, or is it lack of negative qualities? I think, and a lot of it could be playing into expectations because my expectations for this movie were very low. Um, and I was, and I thought that Lay would be killed off in like the first half hour. I didn't realize that she had a full, like full performance during the movie. So for me, that already ticked a box that I was already getting my cranky on about, but I just, (laughs) I was just really impressed with just like the acting, the cinematography, the special effects. And this is something that we haven't talked about yet, but I did notice this a lot is that not everything was CG. There was a lot of, there was a lot of puppetry used and any time, 
yeah. any time that a filmmaker makes a decision to use puppetry effectively yep. and not just go, oh, we can just CG it, automatically if you, gets... If you just ever have a few minutes respect. you want to kill, see something fun, go check out a couple of the three-minute-long puppetry shorts they have at StarWars.com uh, or Star Wars YouTube channel where they talk, I mean... Like the waiters and all the droids and the casino were completely like people and practical and stuff like that. Yeah. And, and even a lot of the animals had animatronics and then they kind of added some CGI later. I thought Finn, I'm sorry, dude, whatever you think about Rose, Finn and Rose riding that fucking horse looks so real to me. I do not know how they pulled yeah. that off. That was amazing. No. I think because it was dark, they probably got away with a lot. Um, I know, but I recognize those green screens as you do from a mile away. Yeah. And I did not smell the green screen on them. No. But do you understand what I'm saying? That like when we judge these yeah, movies, do, yeah. are we first eliminating negatives and then awarding positive? When I say we, I mean we of the media, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think, and a lot of it was in my mind too, of the Fox deal and, you know, Disney yeah. as a company, so I automatically just shudder and go, ooh. So, <laughs> I think when I see something like this... It's just so with- sad. I feel bad for you. Disney is a wonderful, yeah. loving, warm company. I don't know why oh, you would ever I feel that way about them. They- oh, anyway. Um, <laughs> I think that's the image that they've created and they want to put out there, but... No. Um, but I am a bit cynical when it comes it's to... It's changing, dude. I saw so. the wrinkle of time... Uh, uh, full trailer in the theater tonight. I was blown away. I haven't seen the full trailer yet. I saw a Comic Con one, and no, they even they just okay. released a new one. Yeah. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah, it's hilarious. Like Oprah, Mindy Kaling, Reese Witherspoon. Yeah. That's and a the bunch of kids. Sole reason I will watch that is Mindy Kaling. God bless her. So I will follow her to the ends of the earth. Yeah, I love her. D- definitely. She should run for president, actually. <laughs> I think she could win <laughs> in this country. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I get mad at people who judge negatives first, unless it's a horrible yeah. movie. You know, it's like at least come up with a couple positives because I think you're more yeah. objective if you start from the positives in a movie you don't like than vice versa, you know? And but to be honest with you, people who are hardcore fans who see these movies and the first thing they think of are like the two things they didn't like in the two and a half hours of movie. I just feel really bad for them. I I honestly, I'm not trying to be an asshole or, you know, or be more condescending than it sounds. But the reality is I never come out of movies feeling like that, you know? Um, yeah, and, and if I think that's all, you can sell, if that's you, you, all, sorry. See, uh, no, I was going to say, it seems like you're the kind of guy that as critical as you are, as critical of an eye as you have and need to have, you can dissociate a little bit as well and be like, I'm just going to enjoy this movie and then I'll be critical of it later. Yeah, definitely. And I think like what you were saying, like if, you know, those diehard fans that have been like hanging for this movie for years, following every single news story, every single clip that's released, know the law inside out and are just like, ah, and if that's all they take away after the movie, then I kind of go, what, what was the whole point of that two and a half year period of following everything and getting so hyped up? And then you walk out of the movie going, well, I didn't like that was shit because of this and this, like, 
to take it back to something that I know, Justice League. I followed that movie from literally the second it was announced. They started filming in Iceland. I watched every single clip, even though I said I wasn't going to. I read every news story, even though I from said I wasn't going From what's your interest, to. by the way? What, what was your entry point into the Justice League? Because I have to admit, in my research for Wonder Woman, I did read some Justice League uh, graphic novels, and oh, wow. it's which so bizarre, which actually helped me appreciate the movie. I was like, this makes way less sense than the Avengers, but it's kind of cooler in some ways. <laughs> even though I have no clue what's going on. Um, <laughs> but like I knew what mother boxes were and stuff. And I was like, yeah. yeah, just go take your five or six best heroes and go all out rather than having a thousand superheroes. But yeah. So uh, yeah, go ahead. Like what was your well, entry point? What was your entry point? I just really quickly to justice league. Cause we never really talked about it. Cool. So I grew up with DC reading comics, cartoons or girl. Who was your person? Superman. Ah, Superman. Always. Until I turned oh, 14 and then, no, not 14, about 12, I started reading comics. And I really got into Aquaman. And since then, Aquaman's been my number one. I even have an Aquaman tattoo on my shoulder. Before any of these movies were announced, I, I had see. an so you will tattoo on my shoulder. You, you will Jason Momoa into being, basically. <sighs> Look, <laughs> Jason Momoa is not my Aquaman. He's an he's Aquaman great. for the DCEU, and he's he is great. Yeah. He's not my childhood version of the character, yeah. but that's okay. But you, that's what I'm saying is you were able to dissociate with those movies and see them a bunch of times before you came back with a more critical eye and whatever, you know, and like enjoy them. But I honestly think that Star Wars, as bad as the prequels were at a lot of points, <laughs> in my opinion, although I'm unlike you, although I didn't hate episode one on initially seeing it, episode three is the one I will watch occasionally now, but it's super dark. I get why people don't like it. Um, and uh, if, look, if anything, the emo Kylo Ren comes from the emo Anakin Skywalker from episode three. I mean, <laughs> they don't even hide it with the hair. It's a thing no. I don't think people realize is you can hate the prequels or think it's cool to hate the prequels or actually hate the prequels, and I am totally fine with that. But you have to realize <laughs> that some of the stuff you are liking in the new movies is taking from that. And from Ryan Johnson that, yeah. openly took a bunch of shots, cool shots in that movie from episodes two and three. And he's, a you know... I mean, these guys love Lucas and love all of those movies. Um, and so it's just important for, for people to know that. But I mean, what's your impression of like the Star Wars culture? Because here it's like something that if your family is into that you grow up with and you think about and you hear about all the time and you have lightsaber battles yeah. and stuff. Well, look, as you said before with the figures for Australia, I believe I didn't know that before now, but I believe it 100%. We have um, a place here called the Sons of Obi-Wan and you basically go there and they will train you how to use a lightsaber. They make custom lightsabers. You can order one and have it delivered to your house. We can go and pick it up. They, every time that celebrities come here for like, like our version of Comic-Con, mm-hmm. they will make a saber for like the big celebrity of that con and do a big thing with them like – the culture here is crazy. Everyone on my Facebook feed on Wednesday night was just going, it was just all, everyone was at the Midnight Star Wars. And I didn't go because I just refused to see Midnight Movies because I will fall asleep and not enjoy it. I mean, um, to be honest with you, 
so, a bunch of the like nerdy uh, people that that I love watching and following go to Australia for PAX and all the conventions. Oh well, and you okay. end up getting closer. I mean, uh, Brit, you know, interviewed Travis Willingham. And I am obsessed and in love with his wife, Laura Bailey, unapologetically. Ugh. And I know that she was like one step away from Laura Bailey, who I obs- uh, love. Um, oh, we spoke to her too. I don't know yeah. if it was Brit that did. Someone did. Yeah. 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 Um, so you guys are actually closer to some of these people than me. Um, wow. So I think, I think we're both feeling very overwhelmed by the movie. But yeah. I have some specific one-hit questions. This is the easiest way for me to shut up for a while and for you to talk and us to get some stuff over really quickly. And then we'll, we'll, we'll head towards closing this. So are uh, you cool okay. with a couple quick-hit questions? And yeah, go Again, for it. no judgment. No, these are no right answer <laughs> questions. These are just purely okay. curiosity. Um, Yoda showing up. Cool Super cool. Really, 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 really cool. Really, really, really cool. I agree. He blew the shed up from the dead. Yeah. He blew the fucking and temple like, up. And like laughed while he did it. Like, <laughs> it was, Oz, by the way. big emotional moment and he yeah. just laughed. And, the, and those close-up shots were puppet shots, people. I can yeah, tell you for they sure. Were. Yeah. yeah, 100%. Um. And that was the lesson. He's still saying, you were d- big dummy Luke Skywalker. You know, it's like <laughs> Luke Skywalker is the high school quarterback. That's also the valedictorian that everyone likes, but he's still the high school quarterback. And so he's just dumb sometimes. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, maybe not because the quarterback. <laughs> um, yeah, I agree. Yoda was amazing. Okay. Um, Poe Dameron was got enough screen time in this movie. Definitely. Oscar Isaac, uh, sub sub question: Is Oscar Isaac the most versatile actor of his age bracket right now, or within it? Would you say? Um. Now that I think about it, yes. Just in terms of the roles he can play, you know the mm. different, the different roles he can play. Um, I think, I think we're gonna get a lot of Finn Damp a Poe bromance in the final episode, and so this doesn't bother me whatsoever. I knew they weren't going to be spending the whole movie together. The yeah. rose of romance is already controversial, apparently, even though it was barely a romance. Um, I thought she lit up those scenes. I thought Boyega was a little distant. I thought his w- writing was the weakest, but I still love their adventures. And I, I love wa- him trying to pretend that he's a good guy and knowing that he's not a good guy and, you know, covering up for himself mm-hmm. is hilarious. Um, but he's becoming a big star now. Um, all right. A couple more. Daisy Ridley. Is she going to be... Assuming she doesn't come back to play Ray, like she says she's not, and she continues into dramatic performance, do you think she could be one of the top actresses uh, in, the Eng- in the English world, say, five years from now or something like that? I mean, do you think she has no. that kind of talent? No. Oh, okay. No, not a fan. Wait, you don't like Daisy Ridley? What? No, she 
just kind of irritates me. Why haven't we talked about this the whole time? This is the, this was the lead, dude. You got to stop burying the lead. When we do our next podcast, I, you have to promise to stop burying the lead. The lead I is. Just, I, I love um, everything about this movie. It's perfect, other than Rose, and I don't like Daisy Ridley. Come on, you're making me well, look like a bad podcast host here. No, no, no. Let me rephrase. So I liked I like her in this movie, but I saw her in other movies and didn't like her in other movies. So that was the reasoning behind Interesting. that. I think she's great as Ray. She works as Ray, but I've seen her in other movies and I wasn't a fan. Interesting. Can I ask That's you why, what you were not a fan of in those movies? Because I, I have probably not seen them, to be <clears throat> frank. Um, so the most recent one was Murder on the Orient Express. Which was set up to be bullshit, but whatever. <laughs> and I really liked that movie. Really? And I really didn't like her. Hmm. And I kind of wish that she was the one that got murdered. Um, she? <laughs> yeah. I knew that was not happening. Um, yeah. Is it possible that she's suffering from Keira Knight syndrome, where she comes Ooh. off as too cold and too pretty? And even if in real life she is very warm, which mm. is according to all reports, like Keira Knightley in real life, supposed to be very. By the way, most people don't know that Queen Amidala was actually played by Keira Knightley in most of episode one, The Phantom Menace, while Natalie Portman was playing Padme because they looked exactly the same. So whenever <laughs> there's like long shots, uh, uh, so there's the connection again, but do you know what I mean? Like she comes off as, as, as a little bit cold. Yeah, I can see that. I don't know. I, I don't know. I really like her as Ray. I think she's great. Um, but I, I don't know. I think we're going to have to, when she steps away from star Wars and we start seeing more, I think then I'll be able to make a better decision. But if you're asking me as of now, right now, no, she only works as Ray for me. Well, and to be fair, Carrie Fisher never got a major break, you know, either. And yeah, that's true. But Carrie Fisher was good. Like, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I think yeah. I think actually I Daisy. Go, has I don't want to go there. <laughs> I, no, I don't think it's a bad place to go. I look. I think Daisy has been in the shadow of Leia the entire time, and yeah, I think ultimately that's good for her performance. Um. I do think this performance was a little bit more two-dimensional than the first movie. But again, I attribute that more to the writing and Luke needing to be the complicated one. And so she had to be kind of straight ahead. You know what I mean? Um, Yeah, definitely. But I do know this, especially women and girls love Ray and love Daisy Ridley. And so I don't think she has to be an Academy Award winning movies going forward. But if she's like Julia Roberts or someone like that, you know, like... I could, but she does have to open up a little bit and be, it's the problem with all these English actresses. They're so proper and uptight and they don't smile. And you know, I mean, it's, it's way different than we've got fucking Jennifer Lawrence, you know, we've got these like lush ass American drunk, say anything. And I love Jennifer Lawrence, but, um, that's really interesting to hear. So, okay. A couple deep questions to end this. Um, what do you think about the force? Uh, does it interest you at all? Um, and did you think this movie added anything productive or interesting or cool to this whole discussion? So I was interested in the force in episodes four, five, six. I'm less interested in the force in this installment. Yeah. Like I, I didn't connect with the idea of it. For me, this movie was about 
like religion almost um and the jedi not about the actual force itself well that was the point the whole point of this and movie is we've been getting caught up our ass with this philosophical Jedi bullshit, but it's just become <laughs> this polarized religion that needs to die. I mean, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. So I think they tried to spark interest with that connection between Luke and Leia and Ray and Kylo, and there was a spark, but I think. Like, it was brushed off really quickly. So, there was less mm. interest when the explanation was two lines from Snoke and that was it. Like, I, I felt like it could have been something, I don't know. I don't know. I was interested up until he revealed what it was and then I was like, oh, okay, great. Like right, so here's, have a so here's, strong... here's the hypothetical that comes right out of what you just said, okay? So okay. let's say that somewhere between 10 and 20% of people who see Star Wars uh, are like fans or more of Star Wars, okay? Let's mm-hmm. say everyone else is 80%. Yeah. Right? To the 10 to 20% of us, the amount of force talk and lore in this movie is unprecedented. There's no movie that talks more about the force from our, from my perspective, um, in a more, you know, in depth and interesting way since Luke is getting trained with Yoda in episode five, Empire Strikes Back, mm-hmm. which is why that movie is the best, and which is why Yoda coming back here was exactly what would happen. I actually predicted to my dad, he will confirm this on the podcast in the next couple of days. I've been telling him for weeks that Yoda and or Obi-Wan was going to show up in this movie. I had zero <laughs> pre-knowledge whatsoever, but I actually thought it was going to be Obi-Wan, because um, it seems like we are going to get the Ewan McGregor movie, I hope. But God, as we said before, Yoda was just perfect. Yeah. Um, in this scenario. So, um, all right. So, w- one more meta, s- meta film uh, question would just be, <sighs> the tension with, with Star Wars is, it's so epic. They do go to a lot of planets. There's spaceships and all sorts of stuff. But mm-hmm. when, when you spend so much time on these character studies, it's hard to make the world feel big, or the galaxy, yeah. I should say, feel yeah. big. I think they got around that in this movie by making it a chase story, essentially, you know, with the fleet just trying to survive. So they didn't have to go that far. Um, I will say that the the TV cartoon show Rebels, which I think is pretty great, um, informed this movie a lot um, in a lot of ways. But did you feel like do you feel like the universe continues to expand or as we focus on these same characters, it's maybe contracting at the same time. Like, I don't know if, yeah, I don't know. It's open in the question. I don't know if, if there's any way to deal with that. Um, yeah, that's, I think it is like we saw what a glimpse of the Island. I think this goes back to my point about the animals. We saw a glimpse of the Island in the last movie and this movie, we saw practically the whole Island inside Mm -hmm. and out really. Um, And it's like one more place to add, you know, one more planet to add for Star Wars. And then we go to the casino planet, which we've never been to before. Correct me if I'm wrong. That was the only one that didn't feel like a planet. Everything else felt like we are, you know, crate at the end. Um, 
uh, Skellig Michael, the, the Irish island that they, fo- you know what I mean? Everything else and felt like a planet, not the casino planet. Just to expand on that, whoever's idea it was to make that planet's surface salt. Genius. Like visually incredible. When they had the old, like the old battle machines scraping that red, like that imagery in that bit of the movie was just amazing. Okay. Amazing. Can I just present Sorry, a scenario no. very quickly about why <laughs> yeah. the marketing for this movie was so brilliant? In almost every way, every line and character moment that we saw in the various trailers, even the mm-hmm. TV spots, was from the first 40 to 45 minutes. Except for the final battle, they showed tons of footage from Crate, that yeah. battle with the red sand, from the very beginning. And so the whole mm. movie, we're seeing battle footage we haven't seen until the end, and you're going, oh man, we've already seen this. But what's the end about? <laughs> it's about fucking Luke Skywalker being Luke Skywalker. That's, you know what I mean? Like that immediately yeah. overshadows everything. I thought the hologram trick completely fooled me. I was not yeah, considering that. I thought it was great. <laughs> and, and if you look back on it, I think Princess Leia for sure knew and was playing. Oh, yeah, along. definitely. Yeah, she yeah. for sure knew. Um, yeah, because they didn't hug. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, yeah. Yeah. Um, I did not expect Luke Skywalker to die in this movie. I did not expect Carrie Fisher to die in this movie. One of those things happened. It was very sad. It w- um, well, yeah. As I said, I don't have an affiliation with him. So, I was more upset that, and this is a mistake that I think they should fix if they can right now, is when the movie finishes and the credits start rolling, the very first thing we should have seen was dedicated to our princess Carrie Fisher is the very good see, not who it's directed by, not who it's written by, not who it's produced they by. They can't, they can't. The reason they can't only in this situation is because first of all, everyone knows it over here, but they put, they want to put things out the way I understand what you're saying. I agree with you, but they're already thinking of like this rolling on television or on video or whatever. Um, it is in big letters. It's right there. But I agree with you. It should have been, it should have been up front. So okay, man. Well, let's deal with my final bit here. Let's just Ray the character. Okay. We don't have to deal with right. Daisy Ridley. But um, just a perfect bone structure in her face is crazy. Um, she, she looks just like Karen Ailey. Uh, but uh, her, there was definitely. Would Would you agree with me? There was definitely a heavy, like Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter influence on this movie with the magical animals and the magical spaces and stuff like that. Um, I thought was, was very much there for me. And, uh, part of what was going on without going into too much lore is this Island they were on is full of what they call virgences, like virgences in the forest. So like virgences can be, it's like a convergence. It could be Luke Skywalker. It could be Anakin Skywalker. It could be a magical place. It could be, you know, Yoda's planet, blah, blah, blah. So was this the place, the dark place she went to in that cave? Well, we don't know. So. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Okay. But but in this movie, she goes down that hole. She goes yeah. down to a hole into the earth. What was your interpretation of all that? And do you think that... Here's my big final question. I have no idea if we can answer this at this point. But 
was is Kylo attracted to her or is Kylo attracted to the dark side of her or and or vice versa? That's what I'm still not sure about. I think they're attracted to the opposite side of the force in each other. And I think that's what it is. I don't think it's a physical or sexual attraction. I think it's No, that's what a, I mean. I mean like, like intellectually. She's yeah. she's intrigued by the dark in him and he's intrigued by the light in her. And that's that's what I interpreted as that's what I think is going on. Um that's why their connection especially that first moment when they touched hands um, on the island, like I was waiting for something big to happen and I'm glad it didn't. Um, That's what I kind of took away from that. And then when they fought together, yeah, okay, cool. And I think it really sold his motivation as a villain to like – destroy the force and just like destroy the rebels and destroy the first order because they're both just as bad as each other. And you can kind of understand it. I think they're both tied to each other through Han Solo is my personal opinion. Okay. I think she still sees Han as a dad and sees what she loved in Han in that brief time through him. And he knows that in that short time, Han embraced her more like a daughter than he ever did Ben Solo. So I think he's still seeing the dad there. Um, I will say every part of me is happy and predicted, but is happy that they're not related. But yeah. Can, it's undeniable that them being cousins would be kind of interesting. Or even if she was Obi-Wan's daughter, which was some people's speculation, uh, that would be very interesting. Do you think Ray is, I mean, even if they wanted her to go truly dark for any extended amount of period in this movie, do you think A, mm-hmm. it was artistically possible and B, culturally possible? I think people would um, rebel if that happened, but I think it's definitely possible. They could yeah. definitely write it in and I'd, think it would work and would be after this movie and this performance definitely believable because she's still after everything we were sold in the lead up to this after everything we heard in the movie ray like leia really is never tempted by the dark at any point in this film well do you think so she went into the hole and he told her not to yeah so they talk about this a lot about rebels though about how (laughs) the problem with the jedi is they seek wisdom and knowledge but when you Mm -hmm. goes to seek knowledge knowledge usually comes with dark elements right yeah wisdom is purely a good thing knowledge has good and bad sides and so i think that was her looking for knowledge because her teacher was a fucking head case and wouldn't you know (laughs) and wouldn't help her um and so i think she had to do that um i don't know what it is about star wars where they make it the magic quote-unquote cooler than and no offense to harry potter because i like the movies i love the lord of the rings movies but in star wars the force is cooler than just normal magic and other properties i don't know why that is um is it our the loose connection to science and quantum physics and eastern philosophy like i don't know what it is so my last question to you man is you grew up in a society that did love Star Wars, not nearly like here. It, it was a <laughs> thing you grew up with and you liked, but it wasn't like a, a huge passion for you. Um, yeah. Do you think 
Star Wars deserves, and this is a total honor, honest answer here, and then I'll let you go because it's, it's late here. I've, what time is it there? Are you like eating lunch? Uh, it's like 4 p.m. in the afternoon. Oh, okay. So, so you're chilling. Um, yeah, I'm good. But I will let you go because I know you have lots of stuff. But do you think, can you understand why Star Wars is a cultural phenomenon? Does it deserve to be? Or is it just a series of pretty cool movies that happen to tickle the cultural zeitgeist at the right time in the right place, if that makes sense. I definitely get it. I think it deserves definitely the cult status. Like looking back at culturally what, how the original films were received, yeah, especially the first one, and for it to be like this now is like just, it's probably the only franchise I can think of that A, deserves it, and B, kind of has throughout the whole time just kind of, like, you think about the people that loved this movie when it first came out all those years ago, and they're the same age as Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher now, watching watching an, <laughs> a, a, another trilogy come out from Fox, which they may or may not have enjoyed, I'm guessing may not, um, to now being able to take their kids and probably grandkids mm-hmm. to see the next iteration of what we're getting now yeah. with the original actors. Like, I can't think of any movie that can that franchise that can successfully do that on this big a scale, mm-hmm. that feat in itself shows why this deserves the cult status and cultural following that it has received. Mm-hmm. And the sheer quality of actors that they put into the original trilogy and these two we'll leave the prequels alone, um, is also another example. How I, like I watched an interview with Mark Hamill this week. Um, He came out to Australia to do some interviews and they said to him, like, what was the process like when they told you that they were going to do a new trilogy? How did that go? And he said he was, you know, they were sitting in an office. It was him and Carrie and, you know, Kathleen came in with George and they, you know, talked about that they were going to do a new trilogy. And Carrie Fisher apparently said straight away, I'm in. I'm yep. in. And She's it, the and first it, one. She was the first one after everything she's been through. God bless her. <laughs> and is there a part for Billy? And Who nailed it, by the way. Goodbye. Yeah. yeah. She's going to be my final thought, but go ahead. Yeah. Um, and... Mark said to her later, like, come on, put a game face on. Just be like, oh, okay. Like, come on. Like, don't just say yes. And there was no, and he's like, in her mind, there was no doubt that it was going to be good and that she had to be in it and that they all had to be come back and be in it. And can you think of any, like, I can't think of any other movies that got all the original actors to come back how many years, like what, 40, 50 years after the original came out to do a whole new trilogy and have it be this level of acceptance, excitement, <laughs> box office, 
critics rating, tomato meter, pop culture frenzy. It's just phenomenal. Sorry, that was really long-winded. No, that was amazing. Um, And this is going to lead into the traditional, my final thought, and then you get the final thought about whatever you want to talk about. But I think you're going to want to feed off of my final thought, which is Carrie Fisher. Um, Yeah. I grew up loving Princess Leia. And part of the reason I'm not offended by the slave Leia thing, even though I understand the problem (laughs) with it, is because, and I'm not making this up, I was a kid that liked girls from a young age. Like, I just was into girls before I realized what was going on. And, you know, that even that I had a penis or whatever. I mean, it was just, you know, you're you're into girls, you're into boys, you're into whatever growing up, and that's your thing, right? But she was just such an idol to me. You know, I think I was probably more attracted to Han Solo. I mean, for me, Carrie Fisher... I mean, straight guy, for me, Carrie Fisher was just such a badass as Princess Leia. I mean, she yeah. is taking names from the very first moment of it till the very end. Um, and, you know, to pull off one of the greatest on-screen romances of all time that happens to be in a crazy science fiction movie, um, you know, to, to, like you said, so many years later come back, you know, Mark Hamill tells stories about shortly after he finished the star wars movies he like wouldn't even mention it on some of his cvs to like go to broadway because he was ashamed and it's mark hamill he talks about this and he said carrie would just smack him like physically smack him and be like i'm princess leia you're luke skywalker just deal (laughs) with it you know like they just smack him in the which is amazing because of all the problems she's gone through the the years but on top of that i was diagnosed with a mild but still serious form of bipolar disorder well before i knew that carrie fisher was associated with you know being a a spokesperson of mental illness and so when i figured that out a bunch of years ago and started reading her books and listening to her audiobooks and lectures and stuff like that i mean i could go on forever i but we've been one thing we've had is burying the lead but but the lead that is buried that no one's talking about is that you know, people get hung up over tiny little pieces of canon here or there, blah, 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 reported by the media before the movie, right? Well, Ryan Johnson at Disney Celebration, or Star Wars Celebration, specifically said that every day for like three weeks, he would hang out at Carrie Fisher's house all day going over the script. And she would just critique yeah. it and give suggestions. And there were lines in those movies tonight, the one-liners that I swear to God, especially with her and Poe or Carrie Fisher lines, like 100%. <laughs> Why is no one reporting this? But she didn't care. Yeah. She's been a script doctor for years. She never wanted yeah. to take credit or get a writer's credit for it. She was just happy to be involved in the process. And you could see yeah. how comfortable I thought Carrie Fisher was in this movie, having Ryan, mm-hmm. who they got very close with, having Oscar Isaac, who they've gotten very close, having her daughter yeah. on set. And by the way, my last thought, I'm going to throw it to you for the final final thought is, you know lucas has been criticized in the past for his like security officer characters and stuff you know like tertiary pilots being just terrible actors they can't even deliver a line i thought they nailed every one of those side characters in the movie tonight including billy lord who had some great moments trying to figure out whose side to be on and stuff like that i thought was was really great so this my final thought was carrie fisher is not a big shocker so I, i leave it to you my friend Okay, I'm going down a similar similar line. <laughs> um, if there was any movie to send her off, this was it. Yep. 
I don't know. I have such a strong connection with that family, not personally. Like, I don't know them personally. But just in the media, um, Debbie Reynolds has just always been part of my life Mm -hmm. Um, through, like, musicals, through childhood, every time I went to my nans, and then Will and Grace in my teenage years when I was finding out who I was and (laughs) so funny on that and everything. And one of my favorite movies, which you can give me shit for Connie and Carla having her as a a feature in that movie just really cemented her character and just her personality in, in the media as well. And that flowing through with Carrie Fisher and now with Billy Lord, who has entertained the hell out of me in shows like Screen Queens and the latest season of American Horror Story is kind of creating her own actress in her own right without following on her family's footsteps. Um, Seeing Carrie and Billy in this movie, not necessarily interacting together directly all the time, um, just having them in the same movie, there was just, I don't know, there was just a sense of, finality yeah not so much for the character of leia but for carrie fisher herself and i don't know how and i don't know if it's just because of what happened that's how how i saw it but it just really felt like the best way to say goodbye and i'm not gonna lie i cried several times in this movie because of that um, first of all, when I thought she was dead, I was like, that's it. I'm, I'm out. I'm like checked out of this movie. Oh, dude, I almost um, walked out of the movie at that point. <laughs> I was like, no, I can't, I can't handle I, This is not cool. Yeah. And then later on, there's a scene when they reach that final planet. I'm sorry. I don't remember its name, the salt planet. Uh, and there's a shot of the crystal foxes who I can't believe I haven't mentioned cause I loved them. Gorgeous. Anyway. And there's a shot where, and you see in the trailer too, she's the, the dress that she's wearing has this really high veil oh, and all you can see great is her yeah. eyes and it's this sweeping shot and it's just, it's a, a moment. And in that moment, it, for me, it just was part of the grieving process of losing her that moment, I'm nearly crying now just thinking about it, yep. um, was powerful. And then obviously the credits at the end. I mean, I look, just, people... As a Star Wars uh, movie... Goddamn. Sorry. No, 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 no. No, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I was going to say, this was being billed as Luke Skywalker's movie, and they were going to say episode <laughs> nine was going to be Leia's movie. <laughs> But yeah. look, I love Mark Hamill t- to an, an endless degree. Oh, yeah. Luke Skywalker is the literally synonym- synonymous with being the man in my part of society it, it, of nerds, <laughs> you know, of like yeah, yeah. nerds, but who still want to be tough. It's like, yeah, Luke Skywalker. And it's not his, it's not his lightsaber skills as we saw. It's his ability to influence people with his words. It's, it's yeah. really the key to Luke. The fact that he turned Vader with very little fighting and return of the Jedi, you know, that's what's so powerful. But 
I still think this was Carrie's moving. I thought yeah, she definitely. was just, and maybe and you're right. Maybe I, it's because of the death that we didn't expect, but she was just, she drew in everyone and everything when she was on screen. Yeah. And final thought. Yes. There's a line in the movie mm. when they're talking about where Poe basically screams at Lorna Dern and says, that was your big inspirational speech. Like what is that meant to inspire us? what we're just retreating and doing nothing like (laughs) Leia would not do that. And I can't remember the exact line now. I'm kicking myself. Um, But Lorna Dern says, no, Leia would say this, that like hope is about people and I really feel bad that I can't remember it. I hope you know. No, no, you totally nailed it. And And it just, that part, even though Leia wasn't on screen, just kind of summed up Leia in like one line. Look, there's only one character of the new cast that I think will likely be, at least in a guest role, in movies beyond episode nine. That character is Poe Dameron. And this movie was clearly set up for her to start training him the same way parallel to the Jedi training to how to be a leader and get his head out of his ass, you know, prepare for all (laughs) contingencies and not just shoot from his hip and everything, which by the way, Oscar Isaac being not a young guy, I wasn't sure he was going to pull off in this movie, but he nailed it because he's such a fucking great actor. But, um, yeah. Uh, but do you know what I mean? Like, I think Poe is going to be sort of the Mon Mothma or Admiral Akbar of the future movies where he just like shows up as the head of the new, you know, rebellion or the new Republic or whatever. Um, and it's completely due to this. That was the relationship I was the most excited about going in. And yeah. I was, I was really screaming. I thought people would get mad at me during the whole part where I thought Leia was dead. And then she's Neo from the matrix, except not in the <laughs> matrix. And I was just like, We've never seen Leia Force powers. I, I was I was honestly pinching myself, and I think, you know, just follow up on that. I, there's no franchise other than Star Wars that's from a blockbuster, you know, a mo- uh, more than one episode stand, um, uh, standpoint that gives me that feeling mm. on a regular basis. Yeah. Um, so um, okay, so. We've got the Han Solo movie in the spring, which we won't talk about. Um, here's your final question. I'll let you go. Big prediction okay. for episode nine. It can be crazy. It can be supported. It can be unsupported. It could be something you want to see. It doesn't have to be something you think is going to happen. Something from episode nine that you were thinking about coming out of the movie. I would be happy to just see Oscar Isaac shirtless in a fighter pilot for two and a half hours. That's <laughs> fine with me. No, seriously. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I mean, I would read the Podameron comics, think, man. There's plenty of that. Yeah. I want to, I think that John Boyega will have a larger role in the next one. Yeah, I felt yeah. like he was pushed to the side and then given a side story just because he had to be there yeah. for this. I agree. So I feel like his role will be, bigger in the next film and i feel like there may be a i don't know i'm i'm gonna predict it a time jump because i agree with you i don't think we can continue with where they finished because 
of obvious reasons, unless she's filmed more scenes that we don't know about. Yeah. But I think how it ended with the little kid, I think maybe he'll be older in the next movie. And was he using force then, powers? Did I imagine that yeah, with the broom? He was. Okay. No, he was. was just, yeah. yeah. And I think that was very deliberate because Harry they Potter. may come back and say, yeah. time jump. It can explain why Leia's not there. Oh, no. Ray's tra- I don't care what they're and, saying in this movie. Ray's training new Jedi. I don't care what they call yeah. it. It's definitely happening. Yeah. It's- yeah. And that's probably, I, I imagine that's probably what's going to happen. And Adam Driver will be there to get rid of, I don't know, he'll try and start a third <laughs> army to get rid of both sides. That was the biggest disappointment, was we heard all about the Knights of Ren, this whole posse from the first movie, yeah. that he had all of these dark side users, even if they weren't dark Jedi or whatever, Kylo Ren. That's what Ren means. He's part of the Knights of Ren, and we heard nothing about that. So, I agree. Yeah. I hope him and Huck split early on, and he goes, screw this. I'm getting a bunch of Sith yeah. and going to yeah. train them up, and we have a Sith army. I think that's what people want to see. Yeah. Cool, man. All right. Well, um, thank you so much for being on, if I may. Um, And again, never be scared to uh, uh, offend me. I have a pretty high bar. (laughs) What would you objectively give this movie as a film, regardless of whether it's Star Wars or not, out of 10? A film out of 10, I would give this a 9.5. Wow. Okay. I'll take it. I probably should just to sound respectable. I'm going to give it a 10. I've been giving it a 10, but I probably should give it a 9.5 just to be respectable. So, well, I'll be interested well, if, you, if you end up... No, go ahead. If, if you can stand by your 10 and you can, like, if you believe in your heart that it's a 10, then I think you should give it a 10. Just Yeah, I don't know what like, my... Like, I, I feel like too often we make it uncool, like it's a it's a frowned upon thing to give a movie 5 out of 5 or 10 out of 10. There always has to be something wrong with it. And that's a problem for me. I have no problems giving something 5 out of 5 or 10 out of 10 if it's truly brilliant. Yeah. If yeah. they took the casino planet out, it would be That's what I was going to say. Uh, so that, that's the thought experiment. We'll end on this yeah. is... If I'm going to deduct 0.5, it's because I didn't. L- the only writing I wasn't crazy about was Boyega. I did like Rose. We can discuss that some other time. I thought she did great <laughs> with her material, but I didn't specifically okay. like the writing for, for Finn, um, which was fine. I did think he was an afterthought. I agree with you that he's going to be in the next movie more prominently uh, and doesn't get enough credit for how great he was in the first one. But I do the thought experiment, and I'm like, well, but if Finn then has a big story, then it's distracting from all the other stories that I love so much. You know, yeah. it's like, I mean, I, I trust yeah. JJ to get it right. I trust JJ to get it I right. I agree. And, and he's going to have to step up his game because of Ryan. And they've been consulting from day one, basic. The thing that doesn't make sense to me, and then I'll really let you go, is why JJ wasn't okay. doing episode nine from the beginning. Because Ryan was already looking at the script episode seven before they started shooting in order to do mm. episode eight. So. I think, yeah. 
Um, but anyways, all is right in the world. Thank you so much for being on. I'm definitely going to plug <laughs> Thanks your for stuff. Having me. Oh, so it was great. I'm, it was great. I had a real, I had a huge blast on your guys podcast. Um, so I'll put this all in the copy, but drop some, uh, websites and, and Twitters and so forth as you desire. Okay. Uh, so you can find, uh, where I write and sometimes do audio stuff for, uh, Novastream. So the, uh, website is novastreamnetwork.com and we're Novastream AU on Facebook. Um, we do like posting a lot of weird random stuff with a bit of an Aussie twist on it, I guess. Um, so if you get our sense of humor, you'll love us. Uh, my Twitter is Alistair, so it's a bit of a weird spelling, um, but I'm sure you'll put it in the copy notes, so that's fine. I will. And uh, you guys have a great sense of humor. Your, your love of punning is, uh, is very entertaining to me. Uh, uh, we love yeah. it so much. Yeah. Brittany uh, is the best to pun with. I get good. many, many text messages from her yeah. or just photos of things with puns below it and just go, oh, yeah. what more could you want? I've only won with her friend. once. What more? Because it was Star Wars punning. And she like had to go. And she's like, okay, I'm going to give you the title this time. It's Star Wars. I'm like, I know I can go all day. <laughs> but thank you again for being on. I definitely will be checking out Nova Stream soon. Uh, thank you, BizzleCast listeners. Go see this movie. If you've managed to listen to this podcast and not seen it, I appreciate it. But you really should be seeing the movie. Um, I think we all need to see a second time to take it in and see where it fits in the all-time great films. Thanks again, Alistair. Thanks again, listeners. May the force be with you and we are out.